This is the Race Hubs Pit Report Podcast with Brad Huber and Chris Wilner. Hello and welcome to the Racing Hubs Pit Report. I hope everybody had a great Halloween weekend. I know it was spooky for several NASCAR playoff drivers at the Martinsville Speedway over the weekend. Chris Wilner joins me from Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm Brad Huber here in Indianapolis. Our friend Dylan Welch from the Motor Racing Network and NBC Sports will join us at the second part of our show this week to talk about championship weekend for NASCAR, the Cup Xfinity, and the Truck Series coming up at Phoenix. We'll also recap Martinsville as well. Chris, uh, how's everything down in North Carolina? Uh, Brad, everything's busy right now. We're all uh, in championship kind of grind mode, you know, the last kind of sprint to the finish. So everybody off has been really busy. Uh, it's, you know, championship week as well out at the dirt track. It's the world finals are here in Charlotte coming up this coming uh, weekend as well. So it's uh, it's busy, but I mean, all is well. I think everybody's just ready for it to end. And obviously with the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship as well as Michelin Pilot, you know, they still have another week to go before we go to Petite, but uh, it's been hectic. It's been busy getting a lot of final project projects done, obviously, with the, with the intensity of the playoffs. It kind of gives us a lot to talk about, a lot of things to work on. But, uh, yeah, pretty busy right now, but it's officially fall. And the Carolinas, too, with the leaves nice and uh, orange. Makes for pretty scenery down here in the southeast. And it's been uh, pretty blah up here weather-wise today as we're entering the season of blah. As you know that quite well with gray skies, cold temperatures, and some uh, – light rain in the area. So, uh, Chris, you've been busy at the Millbridge Speedway there outside of Charlotte, North Carolina with the midget a week last week and the Carolina micro showdown coming up this week. You want to uh, talk about what happened last week and also preview what's coming up uh, tomorrow or Tuesday and Wednesday this week down there in Charlotte at Millbridge Speedway. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, kind of the culmination of a busy season out at Millbridge Speedway. It's a fast sixth, uh, sixth of a mile clay oval up here and just north of Charlotte, about 35 miles. It's kind of the home track for a lot of the dirt track uh, racing folk out here in the Southeast, especially in the Carolinas. And it's really grown over the last couple of years to where we've home, you know, hosted really big races. Uh, the KKM Get Back Classic where Keith Coons, a legendary midget driver, would hand out either $10,000 prize for the winner or they would also, uh, you would have the option to take a free ride for the Chili Bowl Midget Nationals, which is pretty cool. So that event moved away this year at Fort City. But, uh, yeah, Millbridge has been uh, trying to get big races, and they've got two. You know, we just wrapped up the Wakapedia Carolina Midget Showdown, which was a two-day show uh, with all of the stars, the Midget Series. Uh, not all swept up on them, winning both nights and a total of $10,000 between the two. So, uh, Leary using that, uh, Millbridge Speedway is also a place to a lot of drivers, especially those that have cars located down here, kind of test for the Chili Bowl. And, um, you know, the way this track is laid out, obviously it has a lot more banking, but it's kind of a good uh, size as far as, you know, where your cars are at for the Chili Bowl. That's what Leary and his team owner, Alex Bowman, who's obviously a big name in the Cup Series, just busy. But yeah, it was a fantastic event. You know, I think, you know, the Midgets, although they only had about 12 or 13 um, show up for both nights. I think it kind of, you know, with the coverage on Dirt Vision kind of showed that Midgets obviously put on a heck of a show, which we saw slide job after slide job uh, thrown in the feature there on Tuesday night, you know, kind of shows that they can race there and put up a good show. And it was one of the higher paying races that, you know, Midgets really get. They don't get a whole lot over the course of the year. So 
Uh, it turned out really well. I mean, there was a great crowd on hand. They were parking people in the secondary parking lot, which was wow. awesome. Uh, the micros also were the supporting factor as well as we wrapped up uh, regular season points championships for all of our kids and carts, um, as well as the micros. So then now the micros kind of get their national attention uh, and as well as their big money opportunity. Uh, no points on the line, just cash. Uh, to wrap up the 2021 season with the Wakapedia Carolina Micro Showdown. So we got a, lot, got a little bit of a taste of the Micros last week being the support class. They put on two, uh, actually really three, because they ran Wednesday night too, uh, really great races with photo finishes, slide jobs, galore. Uh, the Jeremy and Ashley Burnett, who owned Nova Speedway, did a great job just with, you know, handling everything, but also keeping the track racy. So Super, super fun event, and uh, obviously with micros being the only thing running this week, it's I think we're expecting close to a hundred entries. Wow. Uh, you know, t- over the course of the two days, so they're going to kind of divide it up and make it a uh, kind of chili bowl format or Tulsa shootout format, where they'll have kind of your preliminary night be your heat race and your lower mains, and then do the qualifiers in the BC and A on Wednesday. So yeah, lots going on. Should be a good time. Uh, big names have already signed up for it. We saw Christopher Bell run both the midget micro. He'll be back in the micro. Uh, Jade Avedesian, who's progressing herself up through the midget ranks as well as some of the young stars like Brent Cruz, Gavin Bochelle. Um, those guys will run. No talk word yet about Kyle Larson. I know he turned down a midget ride last week, which is kind of hard to believe. So I wouldn't imagine him picking up a micro ride, but you never know. Uh, and there are maybe some last minute uh, entries as well, but I do know Sheldon Creed, uh, possibly Tyler, Tyler Ankrum and Brett Moffat, all three are going to run the micro portion. So pretty cool to have some NASCAR drivers take part as well. And Sheldon and Brett have had their micros for the last year, but this will kind of be a really big opportunity, opportunity to win some big money for them. So pretty awesome and uh, should be a good time this week. Yeah, looking forward to seeing what goes down on Tuesday and Wednesday this week and getting a full report there again next week from Carolina Micro Showdown there at Mill Bridge. The other big story coming up this week in Charlotte at the dirt track at the Charlotte Motor Speedway, the World Finals for the World of Outlaws. They were in action this past weekend at Lawton, Oklahoma Speedway on Friday as that win went to Carson Macedo. Logan Schuchart was second. Donnie Schatz was third in that event on Friday. And then on Saturday, they're at the Devil's Bowl Speedway in Mesquite, Texas. And Logan Schuchart got the win there with Carson Macedo and Sheldon Hollandschild there, uh, the top three. But uh, big event coming your neck of the woods this weekend with the World Finals for the World of Outlaws at the Dirt Track at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. That begins on Thursday, runs through Saturday down there. Yeah, so pretty much everybody who's kind of coming in town for that is going to head over to Millbridge uh, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, tonight actually is going to be, which we're recording this on Monday night, is the practice night for Millbridge. Then Millbridge will run tomorrow, Wednesday on Dirt Vision, and then you can keep it on Dirt Vision if you're not here. Or if you're here, you just take a little trek about eh, 25 minutes or so over to Charlotte Motor Speedway, across 485. And, uh, yeah, starting Thursday is going to be the World of Outlaws at the Dirt Track. World Finals will crown a champion, uh, which the points deal has been really close this year for most of the year. So it'll uh, culminate there at the end with what should be hopefully not a dust fest that it was the last couple years at Charlotte Motor Speedway. It's kind of been an issue they've dealt with just kind of how cold it gets, uh, especially this time of year at night. 
you know, during the day it stays pretty mild. We're still in the seventies, but uh, it's one of those deals too, that, you know, we never know what we kind of get at night and it's been down in the forties. So it kind of creates a little bit of an issue for track prep, but uh, obviously the modified or not modified, the world of outlaw late models will be there as well, wrapping up their season. So uh, we'll have a few big nights of racing here for sure. Uh, you know, we're not even talking Phoenix yet. So it's, it's uh, it's always a good time to be in Charlotte. A lot of the dirt track community kind of makes a week trip out of it. And uh, it'll be good to see some folks because this will probably be the last time I'll see many of these guys and girls until we uh, talk uh, driller season and the Tulsa shootout and the Chili Bowl Nationals uh, at the end of December. Yeah, hard to believe uh, that will be in end of December, early January. The World of Outlaw points Brad Sweet, who is Kyle Larson's brother-in-law, leads by 106 points over David Gravel. Carson Macedo is third, 150 back, and Donnie Schatz is fourth. 154 points back. The World of Outlaws did announce their schedule for 2022, actually earlier today as we record. And a, pick, a couple of big notes, the 61st running of the Knoxville Nationals will start on my birthday, August 10th, and run through Saturday, uh, August the 13th. And then they will have the race at Eldora, the Kings Royale. That'll be July 13th through July 16th. And they will run in Indiana twice. In April, they'll run at Tri-State Speedway in Hobsett, Indiana. And then on Memorial Day, the day after the Indianapolis 500, they will run just down I-74 southeast of Indianapolis at Lawrenceburg Speedway. So those will be the two races here locally. Uh, here in Indiana, if you're listening, for the World of Outlaws in 2022. But, yeah, the uh, 2022 schedule released uh, already. A lot of similar-looking schedule, a lot of favorites, uh, events, and such are returning for the World of Outlaws. Yeah, it's definitely a good time to uh, be a fan of pretty much anything dirt track racing at this point. But definitely, you know, the open-wheel stuff is gaining a lot of traction and uh, I think it's setting up to be pretty big, obviously, you know, with the schedule for the world of outlaws, but also the purses uh, continue to gr- to rise too. So it's pretty awesome that, uh, you know, that's kind of what's available for the world of outlaws. And, and obviously a lot of people are going to be chasing that kind of money. So, and I think it's going to get even bigger with, you know, rumors on this on the horizon about possibly a, a network deal uh, to show the world of outlaws. So uh, times are good right now. It'll be fun to watch this, this uh, finals world finals here, here in Charlotte, but also kind of already look forward to what's going to look like a big 2022. And I failed to mention it will be a $1 million purse uh, for the season ending uh, prize purse at the end of next year. So that's a huge deal with 200,000 going to the champion in 2022. Some other big news stories uh, this week, notably Andretti Autosport, uh, the deal to buy the F1 team Sauber has failed as they couldn't agree on the purchase price and terms. Uh, Michael Andretti offered 350 million euros. The team owner wanted 600 million euros. So after all the talk and speculation and perhaps Colton Herta going to the new F1 team for Andretti Autosport, uh, that deal falls through. And so Colton Herta looks like he will be staying in IndyCar or anybody else who might have been taking that ride in F1 will be staying in IndyCar. And so no Andretti Autosport, no American team in F1, at least for now. Yeah. And I mean, obviously it's, it, it takes a lot um, to put together a deal like that. So, I mean, I'm not shocked that, you know, it seems like we're not going to have something as early as next year, but, you know, never say never. Um, I think just, you know, there's a reason why we haven't had 
you know, a successful American team in F1, uh, really, since I can remember. I don't even know if there has been one. I'm not that brushed up on my F1 knowledge. But either way, I mean, look how hard it is just getting an, uh, an American F1 driver uh, to stay for a long period of time versus a team. So I think the effort is there. And I know Michael Andretti kind of made that a goal of his is to be a part of F1 in some capacity. Uh, it just may just take a little longer. Yeah, we'll see. I'm sure he's not done trying to get into F1, so we'll continue to follow that story. And if anybody else might uh, come to terms with Michael Andretti for Andretti Autosport to be a owner or team uh, co-owner in Formula One. Well, Chris, as you said a few weeks ago, you uh, predicted it correctly or your uh, contacts were right in that Austin Hill is going to be full-time with Richard Childress Racing in the Xfinity Series next year, uh, pairing with teammate Sheldon Creed. So good to see a former guest of the show. Actually, now two former guests of the show that you've talked to, Austin Hill and Sheldon Creed, now teaming up at Richard Childress Racing in the Xfinity Series uh, in 2022. Yeah, and, you know, that was kind of the – I don't want to say the worst-kept secret, but certainly it was – rumored pretty early on that that was going to happen you know there was a lot of talk actually Parker Kligerman was probably the first in line for that job but um, you know obviously in this sport it comes down to money and uh, you know I don't know the specifics of what happened but I guess the funding or, or part of it or all of it or some of it fell through for Parker so that kind of opened the the door for Austin Hill who comes with a lot of support um, for what he had there with uh, the Hattori Racing Enterprises team for the Truck Series the last couple of years. So, uh, yeah, it'll be cool. You know, it's funny, you know, Sheldon kind of joked. He's like, yeah, you know, it's – I almost enjoyed being rivals, you know, more with Austin Hill. It'll be interesting to be a, a teammate now. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, it'll be cool to see, you know, those two guys take the next step in their career and join up uh, what is a really good Xfinity program. RCRs, you know, proven winners – Obviously, not only in the Cup Series, but I think their Xfinity program is super, super strong. So um, it'll be cool. Yeah, congrats to Austin Hill. And again, you know, that just – we already know the 16 truck is open. No official announcement yet who's going to be in it. But uh, the rides are starting to kind of fall into place. So we'll see what happens. We will see what happens. And that does leave Myatt Snyder, who made the playoffs in the Xfinity Series with Richard Childress Racing now without a ride for now. So I have to see where he may fall. Of course, that is the son of our friend Dylan Welch's uh, colleague, Marty Snyder there at NBC uh, to see where he might end up for 2022. A couple of Xfinity series notes here. Dale Earnhardt Jr. announced he will drive the number 88 Xfinity car next year at Martinsville Speedway in the spring. And also Andy Lally from sports cars. He will run all the road course races for the Xfinity series in 2022 with alpha prime racing. So a couple of big names, I'll be running some Xfinity series races uh, next year. Andy Lally, of course, uh, has been extremely good, extremely uh, legendary driver there in, uh, in sports car racing and Dale Earnhardt Jr. He's been doing one race a year in the Xfinity series. And this year or next year, I should say, will be in Martinsville in his famous number 88 car. Yeah, I know, like, that was a change for him just based on the schedule and how things fell. You know, it seemed like, you know, Richmond was a good opportunity and, and where it fit with the schedule of things, but with Martinsville kind of being where it's at and kind of gives him an opportunity. And he said, you know, he loves Martinsville. It's one of his favorite racetracks. And I think, you know, it being also too closer to home, you know, Martinsville's only about two hours 
two and a half hours from, from the Charlotte area. So it's nice and drivable and he'll be able to have, you know, bring all his family, not that they all didn't go to Richmond, but it'll be a lot easier too. And uh, I think he wants to kind of spread the wealth a little bit and, and go, you know, once a year do a track that he he's fond of and, and, and you know, personally like. So uh, Martin's will be cool. Yeah, Andy Lally's news, that's big as well. I mean, Andy's been around for a long time, accomplished sports car racer, but you know, those kind of moves where a guy like Andy Lally will run like a full road course schedule, that just probably means that they want the team wants a seasoned road course racer to help build up that part of the team. You know, it's easy to get a guy with oval experience to go, you know, run super speedways and mile and a half, but it's hard to find somebody with a lot of road racing experience that's available to kind of be a part of that, you know, and build that part of the program and that notebook up. So Andy Lau, he's definitely a great get. I'm uh, really happy for him to, to see him still thriving. I know Sage Karam has been in a lot of talks to continue his stock car career, obviously an Indy 100 veteran, Indy car veteran. Um, you know, he ran Martinsville as well in the, uh, in, in the Xfinity series. He's been in the truck series. So he'll be another guy to keep an eye out for as far as his progression is, you know, as not only a road course racer, but, you know, taking uh, to the ovals as well. And so Andy Lally will run the six road course races, which will include Indianapolis coming up in July of next year, but also Portland international raceway. They will run at Watkins Glen. They will run at the Roval road America and circuit of the Americas. I think I got all six road course races there for 2022 uh, for the Xfinity series. And yeah, you mentioned Sage Karam who has just run the Indy 500 the last several years for Dreyer and Rainbow Racing, but he's really trying to make it full-time in stock cars. So we'll see where he might end up and if he might get a full-time ride for 2022. So best of luck to Sage Karam uh, there as well. That's it as far as NASCAR news, other than Kyle Busch announced he will run the Nitro Rally Cross against guys like Travis Pastrana and Scott Speed. That will be in Phoenix the weekend after the championship races, the 13th and 14th of November. So uh, Kyle Busch uh, going to add some jumps and bumps to some racing and race against uh, Scott Speed and Travis Pastrana. That will be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, that's just Kyle. I feel like being <laughs> Kyle, I think it's also an opportunity, you know, for Rowdy Energy to be a part of, you know, the extreme sports kind of side of motorsports. And um, obviously with Kyle growing up out in Las Vegas, you know, that's kind of big out in the desert and things like that. So Phoenix is a good spot and it's convenient, you know, right after the championship. Yeah. Uh, and, and Kyle can stay out there and, and go do that. So, uh, yeah, just uh, another opportunity for Kyle to try something different. Uh, it'll be kind of fun. I, I wonder where I can check that out at. <laughs> have to see if it's uh, being shown any or streamed anywhere to see what Kyle Busch can do. Uh, any other NASCAR news that you're hearing down there that I may have missed? No, I think you hit it all, Brad. Um, I mean, obviously, there's the fallout for, um, you know, the actions that still ha- – I mean, nothing's happened yet, but, you know, what happened post-race at Martinsville, both on the track and – uh, Kyle Busch has been getting a lot of feedback and, and, you know, obviously people are mad about what he said, you know, using a derogatory word uh, in an interview. So, I mean, there's, we're not done talking about Martinsville just yet, but I think as far as news and notes, it's all eyes to Phoenix. And um, you know, I really think it's, it's a championship that sets up to be a championship for the ages, honestly, with the amount of talent and, you know, your, especially your two front runners with Denny Hamlin and Kyle Larson. 
I have a feeling we're we'll going to be getting into some of that post-race chatter with Dylan here in just a few minutes. Yeah, uh, he was right in the middle of things, wasn't he? He was, especially with Denny Hamlin after uh, Denny Hamlin got spun there by Alex Bowman there late in the race. So we'll talk to him about that. Of course, the Kyle Busch uh, situation, but two uh, defending champions are going for championships again. Austin Sendrick in the Xfinity level, his final Xfinity race before he moves up to the NASCAR Cup Series with Wood Brothers, or excuse me, the two car with Penske next year. And then uh, Chase Elliott looking to defend his championship uh, there at Phoenix as well. We'll talk to Dylan about that in a few minutes. A few IndyCar news and notes. There was a test today on the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway involving a few Indy Lights uh, drivers, Kyle Kirkwood, who won the Indy Lights championship. He was testing with Andretti, as well as Linus Lugvist was with Andretti Autosport today, and David Malukas was uh, testing for Team Penske. So a few guys uh, looking for IndyCar Series rides out on the road course at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway today. And then the Indy Lights uh, note here, Stingray Rob, who won the 2020 Indy Pro 2000 championship, he will drive for Andretti Autosport in Indy Lights in 2022. So just some uh, IndyCar news and notes, Chris, of guys moving on up, if you will, from Indy Pro 2000 to Indy Lights or from Indy Lights uh, for drivers looking for IndyCar rides for 2022. Yeah, I mean, they don't call it the road to Indy to nothing for nothing, you know, and it's, it kind of wasn't really a road for a while. And so I think this is probably one of the bigger years as far as driver moving up the ranks, whether it's from one development series to the other or, or guys that, you know, the lights getting an opportunity for an IndyCar ride. So uh, not a whole lot of shopping is going to be done outside of the feeder system, which is, you know, obviously for IndyCar good to see in the leadership group, that that's kind of what they developed, you know, the road Indy program as. So, um, you know, the talent gets younger and younger. I don't know how much younger it can get than, you know, a <laughs> champion like Alex below. So, uh, we may have to lower the minimum age to like 16 for some of these youngsters. I'm just kidding. But I mean, it seems like we're going in that direction, right? Look how much young talent is there and they're able to win at such a young age. And with that new class that will be starting next year in the road to Indy, the new rung to the ladder, the USF juniors that will start. That's even below the USF 2000s. But I want to get your thought on this. We talked to Mike Thompson about this last week. The United States Auto Club is taking over the sanctioning body for the Indy Pro 2000 and the USF 2000. So they will be running those divisions where IndyCar will be running IndyCar and Indy Lights. What are your thoughts about USAC taking over the Indy Pro 2000 and USF 2000 and Anderson Promotions is uh, sort of stepping out of the way? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. Obviously, USAC, a, a governing body that, you know, way back when actually was the stepping stone to the Indy 500 and, and, and champ car and things like that. Um, I think it kind of maybe bridges some of that gap a little bit. Obviously you're not going to run these shows with a USAC race, but if you look at what IRP or excuse me, I keep forgetting Lucas Oil Raceway uh, <laughs> is doing with their championships and the midgets and sprints and kind of, you know, really evolute uh, evolving pavement racing. You know, I think this opens a window for USAC to be involved in promoting and being a part of those shows instead of it being a special event or a track promotion, you know, maybe USAC has its hands over some of that and brings the F 2000s uh, to run with those as well. And, and again, it launches a window for your open wheel champions to take part in an F 2000, you know, how many times have we've screened for Cody 
Swanson and Bobby Santos to get an open wheel ride, you know? Yeah. So I think this, this really elevates that chance uh, to have USAC, you know, be, have its hands in both. Um, so it'll be curious to see, obviously you don't have a guy like Levi Jones because he's now with the IndyCar leadership program, you know, in the lights, lights division, but you know, with USAC itself being in, a part of it, certainly I think the, the possibilities are there. And we see that like with the Carb Night Classic at Lucas Oil Raceway, where you'll see uh, now all the USAC divisions coming together from the Silver Crown Sprint Car and Midgets to now the USF 2000 and the Indy Pro 2000. Of course, those two used to be under Anderson Promotions, but now you have a big USAC showcase there on Carb Night at Lucas Oil Raceway on the weekend of the Indianapolis 500. Yeah, that's kind of what they want. You know, we talked to Casey Kohler about it. That's what they want to get back to. It's that traditionalist, like, carb night classic used to be what it was several years ago, and we're kind of getting back into it. And I mean, I talked to Alex Bowman a little bit during the Carolina Mickey Showdown last week, and, you know, he is a very big advocate for pavement racing, you know, especially the midget side, but pavement racing being back on the national level, and obviously with what they're doing and, and the promotion-wise on that, you know, He's going to have his pavement cars already, and I hope, you know, hopefully others do too as well. There is one other sprint car news that uh, was announced today. I'm going to wait and save that for when Dylan joins us as well. But a new 500 sprint car tour is debuting in 2022. Mm-hmm. Have, had the, uh, the big headway pushed by this is from Anderson Speedway and Tom Hartzell. But it'll be a 10 race deal mainly at Anderson Speedway, some at Lucas Oil Raceway, and some at Berlin Raceway, with some other races to be announced uh, as well. A non wing sprint car and the crown jewel of that series, of course, will be on the night before the 500, the little 500 up there in Anderson. So a new tour being announced for non wing sprint cars. Yeah, that's, you know, really big, obviously, for that sport, but you kind of look at all the marquee events surrounding you know sprint cars and like when you talk dirt obviously you have you know sprint week and the old nationals and four crown and all that but you know pavement stuff is what you know especially they kind of get lost behind the little 500 that's about it yeah so i think it, having a series for itself you know because silver crowns have the usac silver crown tour midgets have their own season and obviously dirt sprint cars have their own season but besides a couple big events the the non-wing you know, payment sprint cars kind of just kind of got left out. So this, uh, this is a great opportunity to have them included. And, you know, I know a lot of guys on the sprint car trail, you know, run the little five once a year and they're like, man, you know, if we can only, you know, if we can have a separate championship or have some sort of, you know, series for this, that they would take part in both. And I think it just elevates the sport as a whole. So I think it'll be really cool. And I'm sure Dylan will agree that this is a big, you know, for open wheel racing to have this kind of new series per se, uh, take part with the non-wing sprint cars. And we'll talk to him about that here in a moment, but I did uh, already email uh, people at Anderson's Freeway asking if they might need a announcer for the series. So we'll, we'll see on that if they uh, will get back to me on that front. Good luck, B-Rad. You'll be good for it. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, we'll take a break here. Dylan Welch, our good friend and fellow Carmel High School grad from the Motor Racing Network and NBC will join us to talk more about that. And also NASCAR recap. Martins will look ahead to championship weekend at Phoenix. Stay tuned for more on the Racing Hub's Fit Report.
And welcome back to the Racing Hubs Pit Report. Brad Huber, Chris Wilner, and joining us now, our friend from Carmel High School, another Carmel High School alum of all three of us uh, from the Motor Racing Network and NBC Sports, Dylan Welch, uh, just back from the Martinsville Speedway. Dylan, thanks for joining us this week. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Good to talk to you both again. And your background, I know, is in uh, open wheel racing, and you still do some of that, mainly on dirt, but you used to do pavement racing. And Chris and I wrapped up the last segment talking about the new tour that the Anderson Speedway is promoting, the 500 Sprint Car Tour, debuting in 2022, 10 events, mainly at the Anderson Speedway, also Lucas Oil Raceway, some at Berlin, and then a few others still to be announced by non-winged sprint cars and the crown jewel being the little 500. Uh, with your background, what do you think about that? Chris was saying that, you know, the non-winged sprint cars kind of get lost in the deal. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. You know, I mean, the, the pavement open wheel, uh, you know, revival is, uh, is, is strong right now, you know, with, with what's going on at, at IRP and, and, you know, what's going on with, um, some of the other series and, and everything else. And now, uh, you've got this new series that is coming in and, um, you know, people, the biggest thing, you know, is that people are making a commitment to trying to make it work, which is what, you know, has been part of the problem in the past. Um, you know, you haven't had the right people that, um, you know, know how to make a series like that work. Uh, and I think you do now. So, um, I love it. You know, I, I, I wish I could find a way to get back in some of those cars, but, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm super happy just to see that, um, you know, that there's, there's a market for it and there's an interest, you know, for it, the interest I don't think has ever waned from the drivers and the teams. Um, you know, but there seems to be a, a fan, you know, desire for it now again as well, which is obviously a huge part of it. So hopefully they can just, you know, keep, keep the momentum rolling and keep doing all the right things. So look forward to that. I was telling Chris, I've already emailed my contact Anderson Speedway seeing if they need a series <laughs> announcer for that next year. So I'll let you know. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> well, Dylan, you just got back from Martinsville Speedway. And as I opened up the show, it was a spooky weekend on this Halloween weekend for several playoff drivers. Uh, a wild weekend there at the Martinsville Speedway. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, you know, obviously <clears throat> elimination for, uh, you know, for all three series and um, all three races delivered, you know, exactly, um, you know, exactly, I think, kind of how you want it to play out, you know, which in, in the cup race was probably the least dramatic of the three, which is is not usually the case there. But, um, you know, there was certainly uh, there's still lots of, uh, you know, lots of drama and things to pay attention to, but, you know, drama in the sense of, of uh you know the points battle coming down to somebody knocking somebody out of the way or something like that so um i think it was you know is everything that nascar you know wanted it to be and and you know sunday was an awesome day you know the fan support there was um you know as strong as as any nascar race i've been to in a long time i mean there was a ton of people there and and you know the pre-race grid and everything just felt could feel the energy and you could you know you could tell that it was uh, you know, it was a big day and, um, you know, I think it certainly delivered and, and, you know, Saturday was great as well with the truck series and Xfinity series races, um, you know, both coming down to the wire as well. So a lot of fun. Chris, anything you want to touch on before we kind of jump kind of race by race here? 
Uh, no, not really. I mean, I just, I think, you know, Dylan kind of hit everything kind of the nail on the head of the intensity level kind of going in. I just, were you shocked that maybe, I don't know, I felt like you had the truck series kind of with their more aggressive style. Obviously, we kind of seen that over the course of the year, but were you almost shocked that all three series had that much as far as physicality to it because I thought I knew in the truck series it would come down to it maybe in the cup series but all three had its fair share did that really surprise you at all or pretty on par for Martinsville yeah I mean not really I mean I think you know I think it was pretty pretty standard stuff there for you know for Martinsville and and yeah the truck series you know is I think has got a a serious problem um, that needs to be corrected so I don't know. I don't know how or what the the right approach to that is. I, I talked to a couple of crew chiefs Sunday morning about that exact same thing, actually, and um, nobody really knows what the what the you know right thing to do is. But I think something needs to be done. So that you know that's kind of um, you know not an outlier, but you know certainly has uh, has not been limited to just short tracks this year with them. Um, well, Matt Crafton go- thinks that a bunch of busting some people in the mouth is going to fix it. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, and it's, it's, you know, it's funny because it's like, I mean, you know, all the, all the guys that, you know, race in the truck series, you know, are 18 years old or, you know, they have, they're running for the championship at least are that old. And so, you know, they're, they're kids, but they're legally adults, but it's like, you know, you can't as a, as a 40, whatever year old guy that Matt Crafton is or whatever, it's like, yeah. he can't go, he can't go down there and punch some 18 year old kid in the face, like <laughs> as much as he wants to. And as, as warranted right. as it probably would be, he can't do it, you know? So it's, it's, yeah. it's hard. It's hard because, you know, you've got this product of all these young kids who, you know, are, are admittedly trying to prove themselves and try to, you know, advance their careers and everything else but you know at, at what cost you know I think they're which I think I think that's where NASCAR needs to step in and, and you need to just get out the black flag and when you see something that you know is intentional and obviously intentional part you know park somebody for a lap or two I mean it to me it's as simple as that and it sends a message that they're not going to tolerate it and then maybe it stops um, because guys don't want to you know ruin their day by wrecking somebody because they know there's going to be consequences. And right now there's no consequences. Say so to your point, a uh, big <clears> noble <throat> story here was Austin Wayne self and John Hunter Nemechek about the middle stages of that race. As it looked like Austin Wayne self just, uh, I would just say turned and yeah. wrecked John Hunter Nemechek. I mean, and he's that's a, a playoff that's a, driver. And that's a perfect example. And, and regardless of if he was a playoff driver or not, that was very clearly an intentional wreck where he turns somebody head on into the wall and granted you know they're going 90 miles an hour however fast they go there but still head on into the wall at you know 75 or whatever he hit it at it's not smart it's it's dangerous it was malicious it he should have been you know at least parked for a couple laps in my opinion but nothing but nothing happened and and you know it's hard because a place like martinsville you know you can you could argue either way that you know something is intentional or something is not and and how do you how do you actually police it and what's the severity of the penalty is it based on the you know how big the crash was or you know there's so many things that you can get into the weeds about that that probably make it tougher than just saying outright if we're going to black flag somebody if they intentionally wreck somebody but i think that you know i think nascar has to use their discretion and i think they have to say okay listen if you you know, intentionally do something like that, that is obvious, 
And regardless if it's a playoff driver or not, if you intentionally wreck somebody in that way, in that manner, in a malicious, you know, way, there's consequences for it. And, and so I, I, I don't know. It's, I, 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 I don't know that they're, you know, I, I think that there's something to be said for going down there and, and, you know, getting after somebody, you know, physically, I think, you know, people, that has come back around as people, you know, like that. And, you know, the fans like seeing that and they like that, you know, kind of mentality of these guys, you know, getting after each other that way. I don't know if that's the right way or not. Um, but I think something needs to change and hopefully it, hopefully it does soon. Um, so to answer your question, Chris, um, I wasn't that's really, that su- <laughs> I wasn't really that surprised at, about it happening in the truck series race. Um, and I thought the Xfinity race really all things considered was pretty good too. You know, Noah certainly, uh, uh, had a couple opportunities at the end to, um, you know, to make things a lot more difficult on some of those guys. And he didn't, he drove a completely clean last few laps and, and didn't touch anybody and, and earned that victory clean. So, um, I loved that and the cup series race, you know, really it was, you know, the guys that. Uh, you know, that did have problems. It wasn't because they were running into, you know, people or running into each other. They just kind of, you know, the Penske cars just were not very good. They were just slow, um, yeah. you know, and then Truex had his deal just, you know, as a product of just, you know, Martinsville and just, you know, guys running into each other and everything. So I thought all things, I thought all things considered, you know, it was, um, you know, it was a fairly clean weekend. So, we talked about the truck series and obviously the Xfinity series, but with the cup move from Bowman, where does that rank? Obviously I think the Austin Wayne self is pretty self-explanatory, but what's your take after having watched it back, what that move was intentional or not? Cause we've heard both sides of the story and you had, you know, definitely one side of it. So what was your take? Well, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think it was intentional. I mean, I think, you know, it's hard because, you know, in Alex's shoes, you know, in Alex's situation, you know, he, he wants to win and he wants to, you know, prove that, you know, for whatever his reasons are that he, you know, can win. So he's going to race hard. You know, Denny's going to race hard because, you know, it's Denny and he just wants to win as well. And, and, you know, is obviously fighting for a championship. So, you know, I think that, you know, in the heat of the moment, you know, Denny said what he said and he's, you know, he is not immune from, you know, getting into somebody in the past <laughs> and, you know, and, and messing their day up too. And, and, you know, he'll tell you that, but in the heat of the moment, he felt like he did what he was supposed to do to give Alex room and he still got wrecked. So I don't think it was intentional. I think that was a product of, you know, both of them trying really hard and, Alex ultimately made the mistake, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't an intentional thing. In my opinion, I don't think he drove Ben in there and tried to crash him. I think he just got in there and, and tried to, you know, get in there hard and, and missed his marks and got loose and hit him. So um, I think that was just, that was just Martinsville. Well, no, I was just going to say and that, and, and you could have this discussion at any racetrack, any time of what is and what isn't. And I think that goes back to as you're, if you're NASCAR, you almost have to have some sort of, you know, where's the line in the sand? What's your, what's your um, modus operandi, I guess, of how you're going to look at incidents like that, because it's always going to happen, whether, yeah, you know, I, it's intentional yeah. or not. 
And I, I think, I mean, I think that's just on NASCAR, the guys up there in the tower, <laughs> excuse me, the guys up there in the tower that watch those races every weekend should be able to say, okay, that looked pretty bad. We need to do something about it. So, you know, you can't, you can only put so many different scenarios out there. I, something like what happened with Alex and Denny doesn't need a penalty because that's just racing. But right. something like what happened with Austin Self and John Hunter probably should be considered because that was, that was, in my opinion, obviously intentional. So I think that's, you know, again, you're in a, you're in a little bit of a gray area, which makes it hard. But I think that, you know, as the sanctioning body and the guys who run the races, that's, that's part of their job to police the, the on-track stuff as best they can. And you've been a witness to that, not only that in person, but uh, you and I both saw an incredible box stock championship last week at Millbridge where one driver knocked another driver into the fence and it ultimately cost the other one a championship. So I feel like you've got uh, enough examples in your book. You should probably go be race director. No, I don't want that job. That's, (laughs) That's a, that's a thankless job that I don't, that I do not want. Yeah. Yeah. And the other big story, Dylan, was two drivers who had to win races to move on to the championship four did just that. Zane Smith with a great move, making it three wide around Stuart Friesen and Todd Gillen to get to win the truck race. And then Noel Gregson, who had to win on Saturday, did get to win. And now both have shots at winning their first uh, NASCAR championships in their respective series. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, I think that's, that's how you draw it up, right? You know, you, you, when they came up with this, this format, they want it to come down to the last race and somebody that, you know, has had a bad round that can win a race, they're on to the next round. So I think that was, that was perfect. in in the sense of that's exactly what they wanted with that format. So, um, you know, and, and like in Zane's case, it's like, it just is, you know, about being in the right place at the right time, you know, and, and, putting yourself in that position, you know, so, you know, he certainly earned that. And then Noah, you know, obviously just got up on the wheel and made it happen. And, you know, was, was very adamant from Saturday morning that he, you know, was going to take no prisoners and he was going to do whatever he had to do and drive through whoever he had to drive through to, to win the race. And ultimately he didn't really have to drive through anybody, but he just got up on the wheel and, and made it happen. So, um, you know, two guys who now are going to go to Phoenix and um, and have a legitimate shot to to win the championship because they, you know, did what they had to do as drivers at Martinsville. And we were having this debate last week too. Would you like to see NASCAR change the final <laughs> round to like a three race deal so that if you have one bad race, you're not eliminated from being a champion there in that final round? Or do you like this one race finale to see who the champion will be? Well, yeah, I think it's a double-edged sword, you know, and it's, you kind of talk to the crew chiefs and they all say that just getting to Phoenix is the goal because it is just one race, you know, and, and so many things can happen that can, you know, take you out of a, you know, take you out of contention to win the championship that just making it to Phoenix or the making it to the championship four is the accomplishment that they all set out to do. And then, you know, if they win, obviously it's a, it's a cherry on top. It's a bonus. And they all obviously try to win Phoenix, but they understand that it's, it's one race and that there's, you know, one guy that, you know, may have things fall his way on that weekend and, and that's going to win in the championship. So, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard because, I, and I don't want to I don't want to say anything bad about Phoenix, but it's like I, I think it I think it's a little bit racetrack dependent too. You know, to yeah. be honest, like I, I'm the I'm the biggest proponent of Homestead uh, out there. And I mean, it's in you know, I mean, it's no, I'm not alone in that. You know, I think that that track is a little bit more of an equalizer because the driver is in a little bit more control of you know of of being able to move around on the racetrack and kind of do things with the car that he can't do at other racetracks. Uh, and Phoenix, sometimes you're just kind of limited to, you know, the groove that is there and that everybody is running. And so it makes it a little more difficult. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I like the, I like the drama aspect of it. I like that it's, you know, that it's winner take all. And I think that, um, you know, it, it makes it, it makes it unique. Um, you know, but, I don't know. I don't know how you change it and improve it. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's maybe the biggest thing is I don't know what, what the logical thing to do would be to theoretically improve it. That's where I got and that I'm kind of in a little bit to it too. Right. And I was going to say to piggyback off that I'm, I'm for the drama, but then to play devil's advocate, you look at like what Danny Hamlin said, you know, post-race um, in the media center after he calmed down, which was, you know, it'd be a disservice almost if Larson or Hamlin didn't win because they too are the two best drivers from this year. But when you do it on one single race, you give Martin Truex Jr. a shot at winning yeah. a championship when he hasn't been a dominant. So it's like, I see that side of the things too. So I guess, Dylan, what are your thoughts on, on what Hamlin said about, you know, it being a disservice if neither him or Larson win? Yeah, I mean, he's right. I mean, I think that, I think, I mean, honestly, I think that if anybody but Kyle Larson you know, wins the championship that it's not right. You know, that it just doesn't feel right. You know, how do you, how do you win nine races in the all-star race and you don't win the championship, but that's what we've got everybody. And everybody knows that at the start of the year, everybody knows that you could win, you could win 35 races and finish second at Phoenix and not win the championship. And that's just, that's just the rules. That's just how it is. And yeah. so every, everybody knows that, um, you know, so I agree that, you know, I think that Larson certainly has been the best car and is deserve is probably the most deserving of being champion. Um, but that's why they that's why they run the race, you know, because, uh, you know, that kind of thing can happen. I'm going to recap here a little bit real quickly. What happened? The top five in the truck race on Friday, Zane Smith won the race to get into the final four. Austin Hill was second. Chandler Smith was third. Parker Klugerman and Matt Crafton in the top five. Zane Smith, Ben Rhodes, Matt Crafton, and John Hunter Nemechek will run for the championship on Friday night at Phoenix. As far as the Xfinity Series, Noah Gregson had to win. He did. Austin Sindrick was second. Daniel Hemrick, Sam Mayer, and Justin Algeyer were the top five. And the four running for the championship in the Xfinity Series will be Noah Gregson, Austin Sindrick, A.J. Allmendinger, and Daniel Hemrick. And as far as the Cup Series race, Yesterday, which had a lot of drama, uh, it went to Alex Bowman, Kyle Busch, Brad Kozlowski, Martin Trex Jr., William Byron in the top five, and then the championship will be Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, and Martin Trex Jr. And Dylan, one thing we get this coming weekend, which we haven't seen a lot of this year, is practice and qualifying for the races on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I think it's going to be the first normal weekend since, what, Indianapolis? Yeah, probably. Yeah. For the cup guys. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And so I, you know, that, yeah. So that, that kind of, you know, adds a, 
you know, a unique twist on it too, obviously that, you know, somebody theoretically could not qualify very well and, and have to start at the back or something like that, which I don't, I don't think will happen, but you never know. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be weird, honestly, to, you know, to have stuff to watch on Friday. That's, you know, not a race. Um, but I think, you know, a welcome, you know, a welcome change and a, and a, you know, fitting kind of <clears throat> return that it is on championship weekend. And, um, so yeah, that'll, that'll be cool. And, and, you know, interesting dynamic. And, you know, I think obviously it's going to return in, uh, in some extent next year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to have it back and, and nice to have that, that element kind of, uh, added into the mix of everything. And so we have two of the three series where defending champions are looking to repeat Austin Sendrick and Xfinity chase Elliott in the cup series. Of course, Austin Sendrick, he'll be moving up to the cup series race for Penske next year, but, uh, and, but we're going to have a new champion in the truck series as Sheldon Creed just missed out. So what do you think about the final four, the championship four in each of the three series heading into the truck race Friday, Xfinity Saturday in the cup series on Sunday? Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be exciting. I think that, um, you know, anybody across the board there, uh, you know, has, has a good shot at it. And, and, um, you know, with, with the night races and stuff, you know, with the truck series, I actually think the Xfinity races is a, is is kind of a night racer, you know, goes into the night. Um, you know, that track changes a lot, you know, from, uh, you know, the heat of the day, and then it cools down a lot there, obviously this time of year when the sun goes down and, um, that changes everything. So, Staying on top of that, you know, I think is going to be, uh, you know, the biggest challenge for these guys and, and who, you know, the crew chiefs, you know, that, that are on top of that is going to be a big thing, but, you know, the drivers too, kind of having, uh, some experience with that and understanding how that affects their truck or their car, um, will be, will be just as important. So, um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, it's a toss up, honestly, I think, I mean, and even across all three series, you know, it's hard to hard to just nail down and pick one guy that, um, you know, you feel like could, could outrun the other three. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same boat. I think like you mentioned, the Xfinity race is probably going to be the most <clears throat> difficult for the crew chiefs. Um, as far as here's, you know, some, here's something I just like that. Here's something I saw on Twitter that I thought was hilarious. So, uh, John Hunter Nemechek is in the 54. Uh, cause him is Hemrick in the Hemrick's in the final four, right? For the, yeah. For mm-hmm. yeah. So John, if John Hunter Nemechek in the 54, uh, wins the race and Hemrick finishes second again, Hemrick's going to win the championship <laughs> for the second place finish and having never won a race. So, yeah. which I think is a very real possibility. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm really interested to watch that and see, if that happens and then just watch NASCAR Twitter implode because right. you know, well, and, they'll, and you know, they'll the, just have a meltdown. And what's the stat line on that 54? I mean, that car, I think when, no matter who's in it, has got like a 60% yeah, a, win probability. It's got 11, it's got 11 wins this year. Yeah. So it's a very real possibility that they can go out there and win the race. And then whoever finishes second, you know, is the champions and Hamrick's better at that than anybody else. So, uh, he could, he could do it. Well, there's something yeah. to watch Saturday night for you. <laughs> no kidding. 
Well, that's all I've got for D. Welch. I know he's – we've got Monday Night Racing to get ready for, Brad. Okay, I've got one more question for Dylan before yeah, I let you go. I've got a small group here in a moment. But uh, do you think the playoff format has increased the interest in the sport of NASCAR from what we used to see with the chase and before that the straight-up points format? Do you think it's elevated, at least from the younger generations, uh, the interest into NASCAR? I don't know. I don't – I think NASCAR is so niche now. I mean, and it always has kind of been niche, but I think that I don't think that there's truly people who are tuning in or not tuning in because of how we crown our champion. And if they, if that really bothers people that much, then they're not fans because you can like it or dislike it, but that's just how it is. So, you know, they're, you know, being mad about it, you know, on Twitter or whatever is not going to change anything. So I don't know that it, you know, I, I, I don't know that it has increased attention from, you know, younger demographics or anything like that. You know, I, I think that, I think the format has done what it's intended to do. This, this new style of the playoffs has done what it was intended to do. It's emphasized winners and, at the end of the day, you know, you can get into the playoffs without having won a race, but you're going to have to win one eventually to, you know, make it to Phoenix or win, you know, the championship. So it emphasizes winning, which is what people want. People didn't want guys to just ride around for, you know, 500 laps and then just all of a sudden with 50 to go decide they wanted a race. So you've got stage points, which actually, which, which actually matter. We see that year after year in the playoffs stage points in the regular season matter. So that makes every regular season race important. Yeah. And, and so, I, I mean, to me, it's like, you know, is it less than ideal if Kyle Larson goes to Phoenix and doesn't win and loses the championship because of this format? Yes, of course. But, you know, it, it's, you got to weigh your options. You know, do you want, do you want a, do you want a 300 point runaway with the championship where, you know, Larson, you know, clinched it in Kansas or whatever with three races left, or do you want some last race of the year drama? So that's, that's kind of how you have to look at it and what you have to decide. It certainly makes every race important from Daytona in February (laughs) until Phoenix in November. Uh, Real quickly, where is the Monday night race tonight, guys on iRacing? Where are you guys racing at? Daytona. Oh, there you go. Got the Xfinity yeah. Cars, Team Homeland Esports with uh, Cole Irvin uh, leading our charge here, o- Oakland Athletics pitcher who lives down here. So we're going to try not to crash. That's Try not to take each other out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> number one. I'll be at the back, so we'll see what happens. At the back waiting for something to happen? Yeah. I, I'm. I, every restrictor plate race I've ran that I've finished in the top ten – Half the race, I'm at the back. As long as I don't get lapped, I usually find a couple cars that'll stay back there with me. We'll just draft off each other. Then the final 20 laps will race for it. And that's a real strategy, too. You see a lot of the guys do that for real at Daytona and Talladega, and it works out for them. Yeah, or if you crash, then you look like an idiot. So that'll probably be <laughs> Well, you guys have fun with that. Dylan, thanks for your time, and uh, enjoy going out to Phoenix. You guys both are headed out to Phoenix, right? I'm not. Oh, you're not? No, just me. I'm just getting to sit on Rattlesnake Hill for the entire race. That'll be fun. 
Okay. And then uh, are you guys doing uh, both doing Petit Le Mans next week? I'll be there. Yep. Yep. Good deal. So, uh, Dylan, thanks for your time this week from the Motor Racing Network and NBC. Enjoy Petit Le Mans next week. Enjoy the race tonight. Chris, I'll talk to you again next week. Uh, best of luck uh, with the coverage at Millbridge uh, this week as well. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, if anybody's listening that is around the Charlotte area and wants to come check it out, Tuesday, Wednesday night at Millbridge will be fun. I know, Dylan, you're going to come out, right? Uh, probably. I'll probably be there Wednesday. Yeah. All right, cool. And then the so be, World uh, Finals for the World of Outlaws this weekend yep. down your neck of the woods at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. So <laughs> a busy weekend. Uh, again, so we'll call it a night so these guys can get to their race. And I've got small group up in Fishers I need to get to here in about 25 minutes. So thanks again as we recap Martinsville. Look ahead to championship weekend at Phoenix where the Outlaw Finals there in Charlotte as well. So for Dylan Welch and Chris Wilner, I'm Brad Huber. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you have a race in your area, go out and support your local short track and enjoy NASCAR championship weekend on FS1 and NBC. This has been the Racing Hubs Pit Report. We'll talk to you again next week.